Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Leanne S., John Dulong, and Joe Sias Melendez. Listeners like you. Become a supporter of the podcast today at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. What was revealed as Michael Cohen's third client? Why, it was Arthur Reed. That's right, Trump, Sean Hannity, and Arthur Reed. Way pop culture, hey! See, you're, you're a lot more tuned into that than I am. I'm just like, duh, what did I do today? I don't know. <laughs> then I guess nothing happened. So... Let's just use let's just use that the fact that we don't have an intro to say welcome to Elwood City Limits. Why? Oh my uh, goodness! The intro was the friends we made the whole, along the way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Will Young for the episodic Arthur Podcast. Welcome everybody, and uh, thanks for joining us for another episode. That's Lucas Mancini, my co-host. Hello, hello. Welcome to the theater of the mind. Hmm. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to uh, record this week. Of course, as I'm always glad. I'm not. I don't take any of our recording dates for granted anymore. Especially now that we have uh, that Patreon. Don't definitely don't want to let our paying listeners down. That's right. Much like the PBS television show Our Arthur, we do it for the viewers like you. And consider every episode we make a thanks to you. And speaking of people like other people, we have emails. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Before we get into today's Arthur episode, we've got a couple of emails to read from ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. So let's get over to the mailbag. This first one is from Leanne, who is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that Leanne was actually our very first patron. Over on uh, Patreon. I see what you're doing, Will. First patrons get first email. It's a little bit of patron preference. Hey, uh, money well, well, as far as I'm concerned, money well spent. Let's hear this email. Did, did, did she send her email first? Am I picking her first because she's a patron? A little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> so, um, she, uh, Leanne wanted to talk about... Uh, a few things from our recent April Fools episode uh Cybermates. I great uh, awesome. Can't wait to d- jump right back in. We were talking about a s- certain uh singer from Quebec and she wanted to point out she laughed a little. I pronounced his name as Roche Voisin instead of Rock Voisin. The uh, H is silent. Uh it doesn't matter what his name is. That was, that, was a, that was a Dwayne the yeah. Rock Johnson joke. I wasn't trying to be mean, Leanne. Uh, you need you need you need to you need to you need to have the you need to have the inflection in there if you're <laughs> if you if you're imitating. Otherwise, that I was like, ooh, that's that's a little spicy, a little too spicy uh, I, for the pod. No, I I didn't mean to be rude. I, I thank you for the correction, Leanne. I, I I just wanted to 
I just wanted to see what The Rock does. And I mean, it makes sense. The Rock Voisin. So that's uh, that's his name. Got it. I. It just. It looks so much like it should be. Anyway, that's French pronunciation for you. Uh, Leanne also wants to ask a question. If you could choose to have dinner with someone, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, Let's uh, limit this to one person. Who would... So I think I think I know. For me, it would probably be uh, Kevin Smith. Really interesting. You know what? For me... Uh, it'll probably be it'd probably be Jeff Gersman. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, you've uh, you've taken a picture with uh, that's right. one Jeff Gersman. You were very lucky. So. I've had a very brief conversation with him. I was quite starstruck at the time, uh, so I, I could barely get any words out. Um, but uh, it's someone I'd love to pick the brain of. What would you guys have for dinner? Jeff, no way. Jeff probably like I don't know, a pizza. <laughs> Oh, but a very, uh, he's pretty particular about his pizza, isn't he? As he's pretty particular about a lot of things. Mm, yeah, I, I'd leave I'd leave the, the choice of meal up to him. Uh, yeah, Kevin Smith for me, just because he's a huge inspiration. And uh, for me, there probably wouldn't be a podcast if there, uh, an Elwood City Limits if, there were, if it wasn't for Kevin Smith in a way. So very much would like to meet him uh, and have dinner with him. Something involving mashed potatoes, perhaps. Uh, Leanne finishes with, also, I'm not sure you answered this before, but who would you want to see yourself be good friends with in the Arthur universe if you yourself were in the universe with them? So who would be your best pal? Which Arthur character would be your best pal? See, a cop-out would be Bill Clinton or Art Garfunkel, but if I'm going (laughs) to narrow it down a little bit, I would say, um, what's, is his name Rattles? Rattles from yeah. Tough Customers. Rattles, because I am a, you know, I'm a rebel. I'm sort of a... Uh, uh, You're a rebel? I'm a delinquent. Uh, uh, so I would I would fit right in with Rattles. I mean, the obvious answer, again, is Buster. Um, but I feel like it's a case where we're two alike, so we'd probably get on each other's nerves. So I'm going to go with Rattles. Lucas Delinquent Mancini over here, uh, spray painting walls and shoplifting. Exactly, that's me. Watch out for him. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing of like, I re- initially want to be like, hey, uh, probably Arthur, but Arthur and I are far too similar. So I think that would just be the same thing. Like, especially because Arthur's been kind of annoying, been kind of annoying me lately on the show. So I don't think I would want to hang out with him too much. I think I want to say maybe Binky. I think maybe Binky and I could get along pretty well. Uh, but or or we could just be way too different. It's hard to say. Oh, you know uh, what? Uh, I would say Sue Ellen. I would I would really enjoy Sue Ellen's company. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I I don't know. You've mentioned how much you're fond of Fern. Oh yeah. No. I as soon as you said her name, I just thought yeah, I would absolutely want to be best friends with Fern. Leanne says, "Take care and happy spring." If it ever decides to show up in the Maritimes, because it just can't stop snowing over here. Um, I'm actually, it's, it's been pretty mild lately. Today was the cold, well, the, yesterday was like the coldest day in a while. So we're, we're, we're getting it here and there. You know what they say, Will? You don't like the weather in Nova Scotia, you wait five minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. See, all you Americans out there, that one's brand new for you. You never heard that <laughs> one before. You're probably keeled over right now. <laughs> take that, 
Take that one on credit, or else uh, <laughs> Lucas Delinquent Mancini will come and uh, TP your oh TP gosh. your internet. They're like, my goodness, this regional humor—it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leanne, for that email. We also have another email from one Ursula Cat. Uh, so that's Ursula a, that's says, an "Awesome name, by the way." It sure is. Uh, so they say they wanted to tell us, first of all, that Nemo, the cat from the previous episode, is a tuxedo American British short hair. Awesome. That's the, na- that's the name for Nemo's type of cat. I'm so glad I know that now. Black and white cats are Ursula's favorite color of cat. They say, I know a lot of goofy names for them, but tuxedo is commonly accepted as a shortened term. It's always hard to tell the exact shape of cats, so I can't tell if Nemo has the more angular American face or the more round British face. But generally, if you see a normal-looking cat with a long tail and hair that isn't noticeably long, that cat is probably an American English short hair. Um, Speaking of regional humor, we actually had a tuxedo cat that ran for mayor. Oh once. my goodness! How could I forget about? Was it? Oh, Tuxedo please. Stan. Okay, I was. It's either Tuxedo Sam or Tuxedo Stan. Yeah, I remember Tuxedo Stan. R.I.P. He unfortunately uh, passed away fairly recently, but uh, yeah. Tuxedo Stan will live on through the annals of Halifax history as the cat that uh, actually had a bid for mayor of our city, and that's true. You can look up Tuxedo Stan. Pretty cute cat too. Uh, Ursula continues, uh, as someone who loves cats enough to make it part of my online persona's name, I'm really not into the anti-cat bias of 2000s kids cartoons. Between some cute protagonists being mice being chased by cats and human or funny animal protagonists who are hardcore dog supporters, it's weird how consistently cats were made out to be cold and unfeeling monsters. Maybe I just got really sensitive to it because I was a sensitive kid at the time, but that's my take on it. It does seem really weird, and yeah, especially, I don't think it's just the 2000s either. Like, you watch a, you watch a, uh, I, I use, uh, like a Beatrix Potter cartoon from the 80s or 90s, there's a lot of villainous cats in there. Or even 2018. I This came up, like, yesterday. I went to go see Isle of Dogs with a group of friends. And, oh. well, don't you know, the villains of that film, spoilers for Isle of Dogs, skip ahead a minute if you don't want to hear a, a minor no, plot detail. No, 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 this is, this is, like, early, early on in the movie. Just, just the okay. villains in the okay. movie are cat lovers, uh, an ancient contingent of cat lovers that try to, uh put together a government conspiracy to send all the dogs to Trash Island. So that's yeah. that's basically the impetus for the film. But yeah, the cat-loving people are all evil. And if you look back at the film Cats versus Dogs, uh, I think the cats were the bad guys in that one too. Uh, how was Isle of Dogs? Uh, I... It's a it's a really beautifully beautiful film aesthetically. I found it was a tad self indulgent and a tad over long. If it was a little bit shorter, I think it would have been a lot punchier and a lot more effective. But I must say, it did make me miss my dog quite a bit, so I had to go visit him at my parents' house. Um, but yeah, overall, it's definitely worth seeing. I, again, I'm a little bit I'm picky when it comes to Wes Anderson. Like some of his best movies are some of my favorites, so I, I hold them to a high standard. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily in that upper echelon for me. Okay, I still I still want to see it, so hopefully I will before it leaves theaters. Thank you, Ursula Cat and Leanne for your emails. That's ElwoodCityLimits at Gmail dot com. Whether you're a patron or whether you're not, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but hey, we don't want to, and we don't want to get in a great big fight about whose email's going first. 
I know. I I got it. Uh, <laughs> I I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I, I what I should have said is like, oh, uh, the Skype connection skipped. Well, I I did hear you. Could now, now you know now you know what it feels like to grind the show to a halt. <laughs> That's of course a reference to the fact that our. Arthur deep dive this week is starting with the episode mom and dad have a great big fight. I had some uh, uh, not high expectations, but I was very interested to see where this one was going to go because I remembered it fairly well, but it was uh, good to revisit it. And of course, hope that you do along with us as well. Conversely, Um, I didn't remember it at all. hmm. So we'll have to see how you felt about it when all said and done. Uh, So the episode kind of starts off with, uh, not so much of a narrator. In fact, it's a little bit less uh, picturesque than some Arthur openings have looked before because mom and dad are in the kitchen trying to prepare for a get-together they're having that night, and we've got, like, these... Arthur's bunch of, dad like, forgot his friends were coming over. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big-time party foul. <laughs> we even get, like, a couple of, like, canted camera angles and, like, pans around the kitchen. It's a little bit chaotic and then of course Arthur and DW burst in and they're having another argument and the dog's barking and the baby is doing this and just like okay scenes from uh my future uh parenthood adventures I'm sure whenever yeah, that happens. It's like one of those like late Judd Apatow movies that are all about parenthood. Dad's like making some kind of concoction, maybe a cake or something and mom's chopping onions, then all of a sudden dad drops the bowl of what he's mixing but then we get a freeze frame because who is actually doing this cold open but nadine that's right nadine's introduced at the episode i think this is her first time in the sort of narrator's chair Um, no 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 this is i have the note here that she hasn't done it in a while but it's not the first time remember remember the episode where uh dw got lost in the mall and she did the opening that was like frankenstein oh i forgot all about that you see i do see i I feel like nadine's been a narrator a couple of times but not for a long time so enough and and, and certainly not in media res as we see it here this is a real rolling start to the episode with the freeze frame and all Mm-hmm. I, I did I did appreciate so Nadine kind of introduces the episode even by its official title mom and dad have a great big fight and then when we come back from the title card she's like doing the sonic idol animation for when you don't uh, <laughs> you, you don't touch him for a little bit and he's like tapping his toe and, and like looking at his watch and she says all uh, she says exactly what we've all been thinking is after the title card she goes ah oh, you're back bet you've <laughs> been waiting to see this thing smash and it does. Uh, the the milk and the batter of whatever it is kind of fall down. Oh, so let's and, before we move on, we got to tackle this. It's a bag of milk, which I thought was something that was unique to Canada. Um, it's one of those. It's a bag of milk in the like holder that holds the bag of milk. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I thought Americans were always in whenever, whenever I used to see Tumblr posts that were like, "Wow, Canada is so weird." One of the things they would always cite is that we have milk in bags. I think that's a cultural. That's that's like one of those weird minor cultural stereotypes. But clearly, it's e- either our storyboard artist is Canadian, which may or may not be true, uh, or we've got infiltration of milk bags into American society. We Nadine rewinds it back so that we get things from. Uh, the perspective of DW and Arthur 
who are outside the room when the whole... Quite literally, by the way, there's like a rewind effect and everything goes in reverse. The whole conflict that the two of them were having was that she wanted Arthur to play Confuse the Goose with her, but Arthur had to complete his homework first, and then it just kind of went from there. Like, she was she was bugging him, and Arthur did cle- clearly was using his homework as an excuse for not wanting to play. And... Uh, <laughs> I forget exactly how this gets set up, but we get like a little imagination of uh, DW kind of. Is she wishing that her parents would take her side more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wishes, she's like, I wish, uh, in fact, she says, why do they have to be fair all the time? Right. (laughs) And and, and then she kind of pontificates about uh, what it would be like if they weren't fair. And then we get this bizarre sequence where uh, Arthur talks like a spinach head, if you remember the spinach heads. Um, and he has giant feet, like he's in the rescue heroes or something. Uh, and which again, they never address why his feet are huge in DW's imagination. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean or represent. Uh, but he's just sort of a kind of a slobbering idiot. Um, and he's like, I don't want to play homework. I I don't want to play with DW. And uh, DW's parents totally take her side. Uh, and they were like, what's more important, homework or the happiness of a little girl? And then Arthur responds with, is that a trick question? Yeah, so this is another one in the long line of either DW thinks Arthur is stupid or she thinks that he is um, like a like a pig, like he just eats all the time. So this is definitely like she just think she imagines Arthur as this just gigantic dummy and i th- and i feel like the big feet are just like oh he, like he's a like he's a big friggin clown of an oaf kind oh, of thing oh i see like he just comes in like he's got these lazy eyes like he's half asleep he literally enters the room and goes Duh. <laughs> that's a- it's a kind of thing like where like i did that when i was a little kid and it's just like when you imagine somebody that you don't like and you like make them as cartoonishly stupid in your imagination as you can because you just hate their guts so much and then Conversely, Arthur, the mom and dad take DW's side, and when they're talking to DW, their voices are so like saccharine and sweet. You kind of mentioned it, of just like dad's delivery of like, "What's more important, homework or the happiness of a little girl?" There's there's a part where uh, uh, they kind of unbeknownst to anything turn to Arthur and go, "Stop that!" And Arthur's like, "What?" And they're like, "You were looking at DW without smiling." <laughs> I yeah I I I really like these imaginations just because they're so over the top and show DW's megalomaniacal side I guess like her des- her desire to be uh to be loved by everybody and showered with affection and it's 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 very childish but also in a way very relatable as well so I I just I really enjoyed this DW is playing confuse the goose with Nadine which we actually get a funny explanation for in a little bit. And then she hears... By the way, is this the, the first actual appearance of Confuse... Actual appearance of Confuse the Goose? No, no, dude. We've seen Confuse the Goose a few times by Like, now. I know we've seen the box, but we have we seen it being played with the flippers and the ball and everything? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. In the, epi- in the episode where... Uh, the, the Rainy Day episode, I think DW was playing Confuse the Goose. We, like, we saw what it looked like. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, <laughs> if, if that's the case, great consistency. Oh, yeah. Confuse the Goose is a staple by this point. Um, So DW hears the things fall on the ground, and then she kind of hears mom and dad's quote-unquote great big fight, but it's really 
for you and I, it's not really a fight. They're just both. It's actually pretty realistic. Like they're they're both kind of um, keyed up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, they're frustrated, and they their tone of voice is kind of annoyed and a little aggressive. But they're not fighting with each other. They're just kind of trying to handle the situation and. Uh, like I said, kind of keyed up. So a little uh, kind of realistic. They're not like screaming at each other or anything like that. Um, and I also, speaking of realism, DW, when she refers to the fight, like when she hears it herself and when she kind of relates it back to Arthur, the f- the f- she doesn't hear the fight. Like she doesn't hear the actual words. She just kind of hears the raised voices between mom and dad. And it really scares her. Uh, again, I and I appreciate that they didn't actually make it like some sort of cartoonish, like all-out insult fest. Uh, sort of like Arthur and DW have later on in the episode. I like that it's just you know sometimes things get a little tense, um, especially when you're planning to have people over, and so they just kind of raise their voices a little bit, or you could tell they're both kind of at the end of their rope emotionally. Uh, and and so I like that detail. The way they, um. The, the way they handle this sort of serious topic of parents getting in a fight, uh, they they do it really well, um, and they handle it with respect. And it can be easy to forget because, you know, when you're a kid, your parents fighting is kind of scary, like hearing them be angry. like And I, I guess I'm speaking personally because, like, that was one of my least favorite things when I was when I was a kid was to hear my parents fight and it's just it's it is scary and it just kind of makes you makes you feel all kinds of negative emotions so even though DW is imagining it as like this kind of like this unintelligible screaming match that they had it's it's still like it I, it totally makes sense that it would be really scary to her scary enough that she like runs up to Arthur's room and you know completely forgets the fight that they had and asks him for help and we get like a flashback of Again, her just kind of hearing this weird garbled speech of the two of them arguing with each other, uh, but none of the actual content. And we see her playing with Nadine, and Arthur says, Hey, wait a minute. If you could play Confuse the Goose with Nadine, why did you even need me? And DW says, Because Nadine and I always tie at everything. Which, uh, I, thought was, which I thought was pretty funny. Which is both a fun little, like bit of uh, just like a little bit of lore for the Arthur universe, but also makes logical sense. Yeah, so Arthur is kind of not really, he thinks that DW is trying to have him on again, like she's not being uh, truthful, so he, she and him listen from the top of the steps and uh, actually catch mom and dad again, kind of, again, speaking to each other in a tense manner, but not actually arguing, like they're trying to clean up the mess and uh, they're just both kind of, uh, tense was the right word, you you said it, I'm glad you did, Uh, so they both think that mom and dad are like in the middle of a huge fight and this is going to have big time repercussions. Um, I think it's around here that they're like talking about what they could be fighting about. Like DW and Arthur are just like, what could they be fighting about? And I forget. I, I, I apologize. I didn't write down all the reasons that they had of, uh, I think Arthur at one point says, uh, they're probably fighting because of you because you're such a big pain. And then, uh, DW, like, they keep going back and forth right. over and insults. I, I definitely remember DW's final retort, which is they're probably yeah, fighting you, because Arthur has glasses. Yeah. It, it, it's even, she even puts a little stink on it. She's just like, you, you wear glasses. Well, DW and Arthur are almost having their own fight themselves, which I thought was interesting. There's levels to the great big fights in this episode. You know, they interpret Bob and Dad having a fight, which causes them to have a fight. 
it's just like Yoda said in the Star Wars prequels. Uh, fear leads to oh, what is it? Oh, oh uh, I, I'm not I'm I'm not helping you. I want to see where you go with this. See, I remember all the components, but I don't remember the order. So it's like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hatred, hatred leads leads to suffering. Is that how it goes? That's it. That's exactly yes. it. Yes. Very good. Anyway, Yoda's words, true as always, because uh, now DW and Arthur are fighting as a result of the previous fight, which scared them. Uh, DW herself, um, Arthur, Arthur initially doesn't believe uh, that his mom and dad are having a fight, but then when uh, DW sort of refuses to, he's like, okay, you can stop joking now, or you can stop pretending, and when she is still visibly upset, he starts to believe her a little bit more. Um, at this point, we get essentially the the bulk of the rest of the episode is a series of fantasies that they have about what their life will be like since mom and dad are fighting, which means that, you know, which could mean a number of things. And and these these ones I actually were were very interesting to see and mostly very funny. Uh, so the first thing is that uh, DW is afraid that they'll never speak to each other again. And we get this scene where. <laughs> and this and this is funny no matter what. I, I was uh, just gonna say Ma- I, I've seen this gag done in so many things, and it's funny to me every time. It's that they're at the dinner table for Christmas, except it's a really it's a comically long dinner table. Mom is at one end with the kids, and then Dad is at the other end reading the paper. So mom mom says in this affected accent of like, "Tell your father Merry Christmas." And DW like has to run down to the other end of the table. She's out of breath, and she says, "Mother says Merry Christmas, Father." And then Dad looks up the paper. And is like, "Tell your mother and a Happy New Year." <laughs> just as I, it's just it's making me cold. laugh thinking about it now. I mean, it is really funny, but it, it is kind of just like going through the uh, going through the possibilities of what their what their lives could be like. At this point, we get the idea of what if they. Uh, what if they split up? What if mom and dad split up and then they have to live with only one of their parents? And so they kind of get the pros and cons of living with mom and living with dad, which is strange. The first the first one is mom. So they imagine themselves coming downstairs for breakfast and mom is there and she greets them very sweetly. Like, it's so nice to see your beautiful faces. Arthur says, what's for breakfast? And mom says, I don't know. Your father always made breakfast. And then they're like, so there's no breakfast? <laughs> and then this is funny. Mom just goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, it's great that she like stays jovial. Like she's not perturbed at all that like they're going to starve to death. So I guess in their imagination, mom is just completely. Do they think their mom's like incompetent or something? Like that she just can't cook? I mean, you know what? Dad made the breakfast. I, if that's what they say, then I, I have but, to believe them. But hasn't mom made anything else? Dad's like a professional cook. Listen, listen, listen. She's a numbers gal. You know what I mean? She's all about those ones and zeros. She could be helped to learn how to make some toast or pour some cereal. That's that's what the dad's specialty is. Which is the other end of the fantasy in which they come downstairs. Dad's prepared this this blockbuster breakfast for them that is like served in a bugle horn of all things, which is an interesting touch. Uh, and then Arthur says, Arthur asks dad for a drive to an event later. And then dad says, sorry, Arthur, your mom took the car when she left. So apparently dad equals food and mom equals car. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you think about, um, 
the way kids see their parents. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. I, I remember when I was a little kid, this is a little bit unrelated, but when I was a little kid, uh, my mom had a car and my dad had a car. Uh, but for some reason, and this is something I don't actually remember, my parents just have told me that uh, uh, later on, it's, for some reason, when mom drove dad's car, I would, like, freak out as a child. I'd be like, you can't do that. It's dad's car. You have to drive your <laughs> car. So under kid logic, this makes pretty much – this makes a lot of sense. Dad equals food. Mom equals, you know, transportation. But here's the thing is that that might work except dad has the catering van. He so has I was wondering car. that too. I was just going to mention that. Like what happened to the catering van? I guess she took that as well. But – how? It's Physically, a, how? She got good lawyers. She's an accountant, after all. It's a messy divorce. Oh, my. And uh, if he I didn't, also if he, go... didn't, if he didn't sign any prenuptial agreement, she's well within her rights to do so. Like Kanye said, holla, we want prenup. Exactly. We want prenup. Or yeah. Else, or else you're going to lose your catering van. Arthur, uh, I also want to note that Arthur asked Dad to take him to an event called The Big Jamboree. Which jamboree not used enough? So we're sleeping on we're sleeping on that word. No, unless you're the Boy Scouts, there's not a lot of jamborees. Uh, and then their final kind of part of this is what if they uh, end up living apart from each other? So in the, in this fantasy, it's more Arthur driven. Arthur ends up living with mom, and like he find he finds a truck that's like a, a toy truck that's broken. He immediately assumes it's DW, but then mom's like, "Don't you remember DW went to go live with your dad?" And mom's holding Kate. And then Arthur's like, yeah, that's why it's so quiet. And then he's like, I'm going to go take pal for a walk. And then mom reminds him that in the divorce, mom got Arthur and Kate and dad got DW and pal. And Arthur just like just drops the truck and just goes like completely starts to freak it's out. At this which, po- it's at this point where I wrote down for an episode dealing with such a serious uh, and sort of life-altering topic as divorce, it's got a pretty, pretty irreverent tone, don't you think? <laughs> you, you know what? That's a great point. And and and, and, the, and I also, I had my own note here of, and this is kind of semi-serious. Can pets be a part of a of custody agreements? Oh my goodness, yes, they're a huge part of custody agreements. That's one of the big, uh, one of the biggest issues could be like who gets the dog, and, and like people fight tooth and nail over that. Again, but you also, don't sign that prenup. They can take the shirt off your back, Will. I mean, it's it just seemed to, and yes, it's a cartoon, and it is a strange to have this kind of spoken about in such a more jovial tone, I guess. But it's like since Art, since Pal is pretty much Arthur's dog, and he is kind of like the the pro, the pro, the person who takes care of him. I like that wouldn't enter into it at all. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a hypothetical scenario that would never happen. It's like it's like Arthur's worst nightmare. So it clearly doesn't have any basis in reality. So, uh, but I did not know that about pets in uh, custody agreements. Uh, in fact, the the fantasies get even more cartoonish because then uh, D.W. and Arthur imagine that they might actually have to go to an orphanage. Oh D.W. says <laughs> they'll be organs. And, and so then what's followed, here's the sole thing that I remembered from this episode. Uh, of course. Particularly because it might be one of my top five favorite Arthur jokes ever. It's one of those things where I have quoted it since I heard it as a child, and it is just A1 level prop comedy. Just, oh my goodness gracious, this is funny. 
Do you, do you want to take us through it? Sure. So our, the closest uh, comparison to orphans that the kids have is Oliver Twist. Uh, and then we sort of get this reimagining of the opening of Oliver Twist, except with Arthur characters. So it's Arthur, and he's in these rags, and he goes up to Mr. Ratburn, and he says, of course, the famous line, Please, sir, may I have some awe? And even though Mr. Rapper has the same accent, he's like, some ore, I'll give you some ore. And then he takes out a, like, rowing oar, a full wooden rowing oar, and puts it in his dish, which is amuses Mr. Rapper so much that he starts laughing. And then all the other orphans start laughing. And then Mr. Rapper says, I should be paid by the laugh. And the whole thing is just like, that's just, whew, that's good comedy right there. That's what comedy should be. <laughs> Ursula Cat noted in their email that uh, they say that line a lot. Like they, they fondly remember, "May I have some ore?" a lot, a lot as well. And I feel like this is probably fondly remembered by many people. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to forget once you've seen it. Uh, speaking of hard to forget, uh, Mr. Ratburn's Oliver Twist sideburns are. Out of control. <laughs> I was trying to remember what that character is supposed to look like, because I assume it's it's accurate to the novel. Well, probably, and just to the time period. But, like, you look at Ratburn in profile, and, like, the sideburns are where they should be on a human face, but also the way it is, it just kind of looks like he painted them on. I don't know. It, it, it just looks... Mr. Ratburn is not the type of character... To have sideburns, but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, that that stuck with you through all of this. And then uh, their final one is that they imagine themselves living just completely on their own. DW says we don't need anyone but each other. So they imagine themselves living in uh, like a house that kind of looks like the one from Snow White, like just a little bungalow, like a little bungalow in the woods with Pal and Kate. And there's just a montage of them like cleaning up with their animal friends and making dinner and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't go very well because as Arthur says, we can't cook. And this was this little uh, 30 second thing was a slice of my own personal hell because DW was humming and Arthur was whistling and they were just doing so over each other. And I, I hate humming and I hate whistling. Is this uh, when uh, Arthur gives, I think it's Kate who can't sleep, the advice to uh, count all the sheep and subtract a cow? He sure does, yeah. Which is, again, it, just another great little small line. And then it ends in a, it ends in a really dark manner, actually, <laughs> because, um, you know, it, Arthur's singing is so bad, it's keeping everybody up. And then uh, DW says, I miss Mommy and Daddy. And Arthur says, I know, I miss them too. And then DW says something that... Something that, that, like, cuts you to the bone. She says, I never knew you could feel this lonely, even when you're not alone. Dark blue, dark blue. Have you ever been alone in a crowded room? You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Man, it's... It, it, if you're in the wrong mood watching this episode, that'll send you to a spiral. <laughs> um, so they decided they can't let that happen, and uh, they need to make sure that uh, mom and dad stay together. So uh, <laughs> they're at the top of the stairs again. They notice dad is on his way out. Like, he's got his coat on, and he's, like, saying, you stay, I'll go. Uh, like, I'm going, and that's final. Uh, we actually get a little bit of an Arthur meme alert here uh, on the stairs. DW is right behind Arthur, and then she she grabs him forcefully and says, Daddy's leaving, and Arthur goes, you're choking me. And I've definitely seen that uh, that meme before of DW choking Arthur. That's funny. And you, I had not seen that before, that's one but of I the should seek it out. Ones. Yeah, I should seek it out, because that, that sounds good. 
Um, so they both run down the stairs and grab dad and they say like, please don't go. We don't want you to go. And then dad says, but if I don't go, then we'll, then we won't have any milk. And then Arthur kind of catches on quickly of just like, Oh, you're going to the store. But DW keeps pouring her heart out and just like, please, we don't want to end up in an orphanage like in Oliver Twits. Uh, yeah, she, and... she once again reiterates that there'll be organs. It's like, we don't want, like, you and mommy don't really hate each other. And what's great here is that, like, she's making this huge impassioned speech for him not to leave. And Arthur, who has caught on what's happened at this point, is making, like, the cut motion. Like, he's just, also like, talking. Stop, he's stop, like, stop. He, he's like, uh, oh, who would believe that you guys would be leaving like that is obviously you're just going to get some milk like he's he's kind of laid it on that like oh i knew what was going on the whole time even though he really wasn't he actually did think they were going to leave as well so mom comes in and they both of course say that they don't hate each other that they just have you know sometimes adults have disagreements but uh that doesn't mean that you know dad's gonna leave or anything like that so they don't really have to worry too much and dw's still a little shell shocked just like you're going to the store to buy milk and then actually this is pretty much the end of the episode where dw kind of wipes her eyes and looks at arthur and says uh guess i solved that one <laughs> and, and end up with the cherry on the proverbial cake uh we see nadine again who sort of uh cl- closes the book on this story because she was the one who introduced it and says don't you see now the moral of the story don't put your milk close to the edge of a table it will fall great advice so we're getting into the second half of uh, our Arthur episode this time around. It's DW's Perfect Wish. Uh, this one starts off with another piece of uh, the DIY spirit of being a kid. Making your own calendar. Did you ever make your own calendar? So no, I never made my own calendar. But you know what? Something about Lucas Mancini. I love a good calendar. I, I, <laughs> I love a good, nice, themed calendar. Whenever there's a WWE one available, I always pick that one up every year. Uh, right now we have a Splatoon calendar in my household, another new Splatoon picture. I've gotten ones that are themed around places. I, I, I used to have one, a mini calendar for an office that had uh, animals of the Canadian wilderness. I just love a great, I, I love a calendar. Now here's a question for you, Will. When you have a calendar, do you peek ahead to see what's going to be on next month or do you wait and you know sort of give yourself the delayed gratification of the big surprise Ooh, it's april what's the picture gonna be no i always have to i always have to look ahead and they usually have the charts on the back because i have to see who's going to be in my birth month of august oh see i just wait till the month of and that's how i figure it out no i have no i have no self-control so i can't i can't do that i can't just i can't just spend eight months wondering who's going to be what who's going to be uh in the in the month of will August. Um, before we get any emails, before we get any messages, yes, we did miss DW's birthday, March the 1st. So, happy belated birthday to DW. Sorry that we missed it. Uh, Arthur is making a Bionic Bunny-themed calendar that he's making the illustrations of himself. Um, I believe the February one is a giant, a giant heart that destroys buildings and makes everybody fall in love, which is apparently the epitome of evil. That's According right. to Arthur. Arthur remarks, he's like, evil. But however, once Arthur gets into March and Bionic Bunny has a huge cake for DW's birthday, he realizes that DW hasn't been very vocal about her birthday this year, which is unusual because she is usually uh, very, very upfront about how much she looks forward to her birthday. 
we get like a little a couple of instances of her bringing it up out of thin air and she has a she has a genius setup where she uh where they're just eating breakfast at the table the dw says speaking of birthdays and Arthur says, who's speaking of birthdays? DW says, nobody. But now that you mention it, mine's coming up. <laughs> oh, brother, that is the best. Yeah, DW treats her birthday like I do. Everybody's going to yeah. know about it. And and no offense to Lucas Mancini Day, but DW Day has a bit more of a, of a pop to it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to keep that one in mind, Lucas Mancini Day and DW Day. And then uh, Will Young Day, I suppose. But I don't want. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to infringe on the gimmick. We'll have to think of something else for me. Then Arthur goes to DW's room to check on her, and she seems very hostile to the idea of it being her birthday today. And in fact, throws her my fluffy unicorn doll at at him. And in fact, and this. So this is the cold open, and the cold open actually. The episode picks up right where the cold open leaves off, where, like, Arthur enters DW's room again after she told him to leave her alone. And then she's still very adamant of just, like, please leave me alone. And then Arthur's, and then Arthur's like, what, well, what's bothering you? And there's a great, there's a great one here where DW, we, we, we lean in close to DW's face and she, she asks Arthur, do you really want to know what's wrong? Do you think you really want to know? And Arthur's like, uh, yeah. And DW's like, okay, just checking. But <laughs> there's a on the. Do you really want to know? We get like shading over DW's face. She gets real serious. It's, it's pretty funny. DW's delivery in this episode really is the star of the show. Like there is so many good lines from her, um, basically explaining the situation. That's a great. That's a great observation dw is the star of the show which her name's on the on the episode title so you would think that she would be but yeah uh this is a real this is a real smash performance from her i dare say it might be the best part of the episode but we'll get into it uh so dw takes us back to a couple of days ago i believe it's three days ago when she asked dad to make her uh just a normal cake with uh what was it uh a, a normal white cake i think I don't think she even specifies. I think she says, like, a normal cake, nothing crazy. Uh, and then she, Arthur's dad's like, oh, don't you want to try my Aloha Coconut Blizzard uh, cake? Which, actually, the way he describes it, Will, um, it's not actually – because I know Arthur likes to play around and, and put some gross stuff together. Uh, you know, oh, my, you know, super gross bulgogi beef a shrimp cake or whatever uh but no the aloha coconut blizzard cake sounds pretty darn good well you, you well you took away one of my notes i was going to ask you if you would have it and and you know what i'm not surprised because that is fairly normal as far as things go it's just like he he mentions peach and banana pectin filling which mm. which doesn't sound too bad if you're a fan of fruit and cake i'm not but uh i know that there that such people exist um, I also like the DW, like she has a list of things that she says for dad not to put in the cake, like no this, no that, no gushy red layers. She specifically has to say no lamb. <laughs> so dad must have a lamb cake under his belt or something. So DW at this point, still very jazzed about her birthday. She's talking about it with Emily, but, uh, and in fact, confused the goose makes another appearance here. She and Emily playing confused the goose and Emily gets really friggin serious when they're talking about turning five like uh they're just playing a game dw's like uh emily's like you're gonna be turning five years old dw's like 
yeah. Anyway, about my cake, and then Emily like puts her hand on the goose, and then she says, "DW, listen to me," <laughs> and goes into this whole monologue about how important turning five is, and how she is won't be a little kid anymore. It um, was like it was a serious turn. Well, she's she's having a uh, what is it a um, how many times can five go into a hundred twenty? Uh, yes. She's having a 20th life crisis. <laughs> you know, that's Cut. really what she's describing. She goes, you wake up one day, you're five, and everything's changed. You know, you, you can't do kitty stuff anymore. You go to a real school, kindergarten, you're not going to preschool anymore. Uh, you wake up and your life's passed you by. And that's exactly the kind of tone that uh, she has when she's sort of describing the sensation of turning five to DW. It's a 20, I don't know what the version of a quarter is for a 20th a it's a you know one twentieth out of a hundred life crisis and uh emily's delivery of this again like stark serious and it's it's re- it's re- really good like uh uh this is vanessa vanessa lenji's is uh was emily's voice actor at this point it does a really good job of selling the the gravity of this situation or uh, I, I gotta say, I mean, d- being DW and having all of these, like, these h- however number life crises at her age must be an existential nightmare to be <laughs> Dora Winifred Reed sometimes. And she, like, even asks Arthur frantically, she's like, have I wasted, did I, like, you know, the are the best years of my life behind me? She says, did I waste my fours? Have I fribbled away my childhood? I mean, DW really encapsulates the millennial struggle. Let's be honest here. Big time. And I mean, I, I relate to this a lot, but the difference is, is that I'm 28 and DW is turning five. Right, but so, but but how old would you have been in 97? Hmm? I probably would have been a little bit even younger than DW. So it makes sense. I, 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 I've, struggled, I've struggled just as much as her through this crazy there, journey we called life. There's a reason, I guess, that DW is so emblematic of of the show for people who are our age now, because we we relate we relate to her so much. If DW was yeah. uh, five years old in a sh- show that took place in 2018, she wouldn't be having a, uh, a life crisis. She'd be like a STEM student who's writing her own like HTML code. She'd have like three <laughs> small businesses on a go. Generation Z, they're the ones that set. It's the millennials that are the lost generation. Very true. Generation Z is uh, getting it done these days. They're not, running their own. Like, they're running like their own me. Minecraft server. They got it all down pat. Oh yeah, big time. And then Arthur takes it upon himself to remind DW of all the cool things that she's done uh, when she's as uh, she's in her fourth year as a four year old. And that's when and I realized. Then, and then yeah, it's a clip show episode. S- secret clip show. <sighs> So I, 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 I was jolted awake and terrified at my computer screen as if I was watching a screamer. I was like, oh, no, it's a clip show. So here's a question. <laughs> do TV shows do clip shows anymore? Because clip shows were a thing around the time that art, that this would have been airing, like the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. But do modern shows do clip shows anymore? I mean, like the only must. one I could think of is... The only one I can think of is like community, but the whole thing with that episode was that it was clips from episodes that never happened. So that was the joke. I mean, come on. What else is there to talk about when you're stuck in an elevator with your friends, but your past adventures? 
I I just feel like that's that's a relic of of old TV is that I I don't think that TV shows do clip shows anymore just because it is so nakedly obvious or at least it seems to be that you know it it's 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 like a it's like a grab for time of like uh we don't have anything so let's just make an episode where they talk about the other shows and we don't have to film as much we don't have to draw as much all that kind of stuff so well will i can hard, tell you hard, it, i can tell you I like one medium one medium that certainly still does clip shows as an avid anime watcher myself uh they are ah, yes. rife with clip shows even in 2018 that's usually that's usually the halfway point of a season of anime, right? Or or just any waypoint. Any like we ran out of budget point with the manga got ahead of us point. Um uh, another good uh sort of subversion of clip shows, you mentioned the community episode. I always really liked the episode of Clerks the animated series. I think it's like the second episode um where they sort of do their take on clip shows. Yeah, yeah, where they're stuck in the freezer. Yeah, they're and stuck in they... the freezer. <laughs> And then, and then they keep cutting back to earlier parts of the episode, <laughs> like 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 Silent Bob breaks him out of the freezer with the crowbar, and they're just like, remember when Silent Bob broke us out of here with the crowbar, and then just flashes back to the exact same thing. <laughs> good one, I, I I like that too. Clerks the animated series, pretty good. Oh my god, criminally underrated. Absolutely, and I think I and I think you might be able to still be find all six episodes on YouTube. So check it out. Um. Yeah, so we get three uh, over three minutes of clip footage. So you know, a, a typical story Arthur story is about eleven minutes. So this is you know thirty almost thirty percent of the episode is just cl- clips from other episodes. So yeah, we get we just get a bunch of them. You've you've seen it all before. It's a clip show. I will say uh, that they... so so Arthur mentioned like they they mentioned a lot of like famous DW moments like the her trying to trick the Tooth Fairy. Uh, the fire drill, uh, DW getting socked in the face by the Tibbles, uh, and the DW has this amazing line where she goes, "These are the golden memories of my childhood: a buck, a fire drill, and a fat lip." And just her delivery is so on point. Yeah, and I'm and I mean there is a little bit of commentary here and there with the scenes. There's actually a scene that wasn't in Arthur meets M- Mr. Rogers. It's a uh, specially animated for this. It's of Mr. Rogers singing DW a lullaby, which I wrote down. That's going to be a memory that will pay off when DW is our age. Like, can you imagine meeting somebody and just being like, "Yeah, uh, Mr. Rogers came over to my house one time and he sang me a lullaby." Mm. I would want that person to be my best friend immediately. She could uh, she could be interviewed in that documentary that's coming out soon that's right oh can't wait for that can't wait to can't wait to cry myself stupid at that movie so essentially we get all these clips and dw eventually comes around to the fact that she did have a great year as a four-year-old and that she wants to be the years the world's coolest five-year-old and she thanks arthur for help for helping her realize how great she is which i'll just say dw can be the world's coolest five-year-old but in 2021 my niece is gonna be is gonna take that title handily. That's right, and she'll have her own startup company um, that you know is in like an app or something that uh, gets a, a drone to take out your compost or, or something, and she'll be drowning in Bitcoin from the profits. And we get back to the actual like the wraparound of the episode, the wraparound, the clip show. And DW goes downstairs, and it turns out that everybody's been waiting for her down there because they're going to have a surprise party uh, for her. 
And DW needs to think of the perfect wish to make when she blows out the candles. And so she takes suggestions from the crowd, which is, you know, her family and Grandma Thora. Uh, Arthur's and, dad has a suggestion right off my own heart. It's something I wish for many a birthday, which is a new pair of sneakers. <laughs> she's like, uh, uh, she's like, I put to blow out the candles. She's like, yo, it's easy season. Let's go. I need those three fifties. Yo, I, I wish, I wish for those Air Max ninety sevens. You know the ones I'm talking about. I feel like that might have been a bit of a leading question. Uh, objection, prosecution, leading the witness. Uh, because I feel I feel like Dad probably got DW new sneakers. Ah. And just like, ah, here's something, here's a wish that will definitely come true if she asks for it. Unlike a pony, uh, which they uh, try and get, they, she says, well, I'll just wish for a pony. And they, uh, Arthur's dad does a great job of, like, just not, he's like, ah, uh, I, I highly recommend you don't do that. I do not think that will come true. It won't come true. Uh, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that line a lot. Uh, she, uh, mom, also says in true mom fashion, "Why don't you wish for a happy year?" And DW says, "Mommy, there has to be something in it for me." <laughs> Again, nothing. You know, uh, uh, those selfish millennials. Arthur's uh, get speaking of selfish. Arthur's getting unhinged at this point. Uh, DW's indecisions driving him crazy. He's like, "I'm not gonna eat cake with wax on it." And then he like, he, there's this great like part where he po- he goes, "Look, Kate's starving." Hard cut to Kate, and she's just like kind of happy and giggling. Yeah, and and then Grandma Thora finally helps DW to uh, realize her wish uh, because we actually cut back. Uh, to when they had their when Grandma Thora had her birthday once upon a restaurant, and she wished that Ar- you know that Arthur and DW would be happy and all this kind of stuff, and we get a very cute line here that made me go awe, which is uh, DW gives Grandma a hug and says, "Who else but Grandma would give up her own wish for us?" <laughs> very very cute. Uh, so DW finally gets what she wants. And yeah, at this point, Arthur is like, can we cut out the hugging? I want some cake or whatever. He's, you know, you know as he's, much as he's D- living as much, up to DW's image of him. I was going to say, as much as DW likes to paint Arthur as like a cake maniac, uh, he, he, he's, you're right. Living, living up to it. He's, uh, fulfilling the stereotype. Uh, and then the end of the episode is them enjoying the cake, which is, uh, again, normal cake. Uh, look, you know, vanilla, cake with uh, white frosting all that kind of stuff uh and dw is uh determined not to tell her wish to arthur or else it won't come true so arthur gets up from the table uh he or sorry uh arthur gets up from the table kate's little bowl of cake gets uh upended by pal and nearly flies into arthur's face this is almost like a little, almost like Final Destination with cake here, because it's like Arthur avoids the first cake, but then he slips on it, and then his face falls into the whole cake. Final Destination with cake is like a great way to describe this. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, then DW says that was fast, implying that her wish was for Arthur to end up with a face full of cake. In fact, she tells the camera as much of just like you're not supposed to tell a wish even if it does come true. Which I think is a great note to end on. It could end. It, it could have ended on that super sentimental note with being like, oh, Grandma Thora made her wish for us. But I love that it ends with the DW being totally petty. Uh, it's very on-brand and on-character to her, for her. It's her birthday, and uh, as far as wishes go, there have been a lot worse. 
And that's and that's the end of that episode. The end of that clip show. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to mom and dad have a great big fight. What do you think of this great big episode? You know, uh, later on when we were mentioning Mr. Rogers, uh, it kind of reminded me of one of the things they mentioned in the Mr. Rogers documentary's new trailer is that he would, you know, even though it was a kid's show, he would tackle complicated subjects. There was a week on assassination, uh, and then there's a extended bit in the trailer where they show clips where Mr. Rogers is explaining the divorce to really young kids. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because I like it when shows do that where they don't talk down to kids and they sort of show them things that would help them deal with complicated issues like that. Um, and I think this Arthur episode does it effectively, not to the same extent. It's not really an episode about divorce, more so an episode about, you know, adults sometimes don't get along and you need to remember that that's not that big of a deal. Like sometimes people get a little cross with each other, but it doesn't necessarily mean they hate each other. Um, but also speaking of divorce, I love how irreverent, uh, Arthur and D.W.'s fantasies, like, for such a serious topic, they're very outlandish and, like, funny how they're they're either destitute or their mother is unable to cook or they're basically under house arrest, unable to leave their house because their father can't drive any vehicles. Uh, all of these, like, super exaggerated imagination sequences I got a big kick out of. Overall, I, I think it's a, uh, a very funny episode that has a, a really good message. I'll tell you, it's a lot funnier than I uh, than I thought it would be. You know, you see uh, you see a title like "Mom and Dad Have a Great Big Fight," and I'm like, okay, well, uh, I can see what I can kind of guess what the message is going to be about. But the thing is, is that I mean, th- this did have a message in the end, but it's not the kind of message episode that we're used to seeing with Arthur. It was like a lot more funny, a lot more off the wall. Uh, you know the Oliver Twist part, especially. Oh my gosh! So also the framing device of Nadine, and then all of that coming to a head with. Uh, so don't put your milk too close to the uh, uh, edge. I mean, so I kind of thought that I would respond a bit better to this episode than I did. Not to say that I didn't like it. In fact, I did like it. But I didn't like, I think I was almost expecting to love it, which is a, little, a hard bar to overcome sometimes. So that's certainly not the episode's fault. It's just I didn't respond to this as strongly as I kind of thought that I would. Still, I thought a lot of the imagination parts were uh, uh, creative. Uh, I thought they were mostly pretty funny. And uh, it is a relatable situation. Kind of reminded me of uh, of that part, of, that part of my childhood. And I thought that they dealt with it in the end in a pretty good way. So not the, not the best episode I've ever seen, but, uh, but pretty good. I'd say pretty good. Uh, I'm glad that, like, again, I'm glad that we have this podcast for a number of reasons, but, but I find that um, sometimes we'll come across an episode that, in talking about it, it either gets better or it gets worse. When I watched DW's Perfect Wish and when we got to the clip show part, like, I was really turned off. I I was like, oh, man, because... It's, you know, say what you will about the merits of clip shows or like whether this one's a good one or a bad one. It's like it's just kind of who is espousing the merits of clip shows. They're all bad. I just I'm just trying to cover both (laughs) both bases. But you know what? Yeah, clip shows are bad. I I shouldn't ride the fence on this clip shows bad. But and and so so seeing it on one of my favorite shows was like, oh, this really sucks. But I think that. This episode is a lot stronger around it, which is kind of, which kind of makes the clip show part of it almost too bad. I feel like if they had fleshed it out to like a full episode, this could have been really good because the beginning and the end, like the rapper part of it, was really strong. I thought it was, 
Uh, DW was funny, and like it's an interesting part of her character to make her kind of so prone to uh, existential doom at points. And yeah, and having I know, Ar- every DW line hit super hard. And having Arthur kind of bring her back from the brink was actually very sweet. Uh, you know, there's, there's a moment at the end there where she, R- DW gives him a hug and she says, like, thank you for reminding me how great I am. And but it's it, but it belies kind of their un, their relationship of, you know, Arthur says, you're my little sister and I want you to have a happy birthday. And you know that he means it. And it's just like, that's great. It's just too bad that we had to have that middle part of it. So it is actually like a pretty strong episode, but just with a real big asterisk on it which is unfortunate yeah i mean i i I, for me this is as close to a hard pass as i'll say with any arthur episode usually i'll say i either recommend an episode or it was kind of middling or maybe some every once in a while episodes outright bad but i couldn't really recommend this episode to anybody especially if you much like us have seen all the previous episodes i could see you this being entertaining if you hadn't uh but i like if I had the ability to skip this episode altogether, I would. And I don't even think the framing device is worth uh, trudging through the clip show parts. I will say, again, some of my favorite DW lines in this episode. Uh, but even the ending, like the end sequence of her trying to pick her wish, I thought like the joke went on just a few beats too long. And I was like, like there was just a few too many suggestions. And I, I, I was like, why do I care about this witch thing? Like... The episode's, like, already reached its climax. Like, DW doesn't feel bad about aging anymore, and I just had to watch a clip show. Like, I don't know. This episode left a bad taste in my mouth. And so I'd I'd say this one is as close as a hard pass, as I could say. I don't blame you for feeling that way at all. And, yeah, especially, like, when you consider, like, like it's a clip show, when, when they kind of faff around at the end, and they're just, like, like, basically killing time, just, like, it's like you you spent all this time on clip shows and now you're like you're you're just what am i trying to say you're um you're like stretching you're stretching this out like no like just get on with it okay so i completely understand your feelings i'm a little i i i'd say you know it's worth a watch but if you skip like the middle 6 minutes or something but I, but if you're if you feel as negatively towards uh clip shows as lucas does which you are definitely in your right to feel that way uh proceed with caution or don't proceed at all especially if you've been following along with us okay well uh that's another arthur episode in the books as the end of season three is upon us real real soon and before we get to the final episode of season three don't forget to uh keep it coming uh, on all social media aspects, we want to hear from you and what you think of Arthur, what you think of us, and what you think in general. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Follow us on Twitter at ECL Podcast. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Send in your asks, anonymous or otherwise. Send in emails like Leanne and Ursula Katz at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find us on uh, I, uh, on excuse me, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, I should say, on Google Play. And our website, ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And there's ElwoodCityLimits.Patreon.com if you would like to be in the show, if you'd like to have your name in the show. And we've also been talking about some other Patreon-exclusive rewards that we may be offering uh, coming up on a week. 
where you might be expecting not to hear us at all. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, I can tell you this, if you're, uh, if you're a patron, we really appreciate it. All right, next time, Lucas, you and I talk, it's going to be the final episode of Season 3. And then after that, it's going to be... Um, so this has been a 15-episode season, I believe. And then after this, it's 10-episode seasons pretty much the rest of the show. My so we're going to be the making our way through them. The seasons are just flying by at this point. That's right. And it's uh, always a breeze when we're talking about Arthur. Next week, we're talking Arthur and DW clean up and the long, dull winter. We're just coming out of a long, dull winter ourselves. <laughs> I thought maybe this was the, uh, I don't think this is the snowstorm episode that you love so much, but I, I don't think we're too far away from that at this point. For Elwood City Limits, we will see you next time when we see you as we close out Season 3. And that means, of course, that our top five episode for Season 3 will not be far behind. So keep your ears out for that as well. Uh, will Young here saying goodbye, and Luke's Mancini saying, Hey guys, this is usually the part of the show where I, I repeat a quote from the episode that's funny, but uh, this is my chance. I'm going to give my predictions for the NBA Finals, okay? It's it's playoff basketball season, so I think of the Eastern Conference Final, it's going to be the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors, and I think in the Western Conference, it's going to be the Rockets and the Warriors. Who's going to be in the final? I, I, I can't make that prediction until I know if Steph Curry's going to be okay, but uh, yeah, you could take that to the bank. Uh, just tell him Lucas Thomas sent you, and that he knows what's going on with the NBA Finals. Uh, see, see, see you next time. 